You may be seated. This morning we're in Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. I've entitled it, The Victory of the King. Because, remember the old gospel song, from victory unto victory, his army shall he lead till every foe is conquered and Christ is Lord indeed. In Psalm 24 it says, Open the gates that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. He's the king of glory, the one that's never lost a battle. Now, this is not the end of Jesus' testing on this life. But this is a testing that comes right after his anointing. And it's so important for us to look at this. Let's pray, then we'll look at the word. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, give us understanding this morning. Lord, I pray that you might fill me with your spirit as a teacher and each one of us might be spiritual listeners. Lord, that your word would be engrafted into our hearts, that we might be more like you, that we might not run when testing comes, but face it eagerly. And as James says, count it all joy that we might walk in victory with you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. The voice has just come out of heaven. This is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. The spirit has come down. He's been anointed for ministry. Chapter 4, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of this temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. Why did Jesus need to be tested? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. The Bible says Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. He didn't have to learn perfection. He was perfect. He was the God. He was the man. He was the God man, 100% God, 100% man. But he needed to be tested. He needed that proof. Just like they would bring the lamb in and live with the family, they could make sure that that lamb was perfect. And Jesus, for this next three and a half years, is going to live before the nation of Israel so that even the Gentiles, Pilate, could say, I find no fault in him. But also, 
that he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter, or 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, no trial has taken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. He'll always provide a way through the trial. How is he faithful? We can go to him. Hebrews chapter 4, 15 and 16 says, For we do not have an high priest who cannot sympathize with the weakness of our infirmities. But he was tested in every point just like we are, yet without sin. Because of that, you can come boldly to the throne of grace and find help in time of need. Jesus knows the way through the trial because he's been there. In seminary, we studied Strong's theology. I don't think you have to study that in our seminary. It's a very difficult one, and I'm not sure we really agree with a lot of it. But it was the only Baptist theology at the time, and so very tiny of print, we, we studied Strong's theology. And one of the illustrations he uses, because some people think, well, Jesus was God, so it wasn't really a temptation. No. The Bible says that he took upon him flesh, and here in Hebrews it says, so that he might be a faithful high priest, and a sympathetic high priest because he knows what it's like to go through those trials. He knows. For since he himself was tempted and that he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Therefore, you come boldly to the throne of grace in time of need. Grace is the power and the desire to be obedient. You come to the throne of grace. He doesn't pull us out of trials. Why? Because as his children, he wants us to grow and be strong, to be able to stand against Satan in all of his schemes as mature children. It's like when your children grow up, what makes you proud of them is not just that they love you, that's a wonderful thing, but they stand on their own two feet and they make wise decisions. Those wise decisions many times come from trials because you've been down the wrong path and you know to tell everybody else don't go down that path here's the scar here don't do that there are three tests but these are not the only things that satan tested him with if you look at the parallel passage in luke chapter 4 1 and 2 it says jesus full of the holy spirit returned from the jordan it was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. 40 days of testing, being tempted by the devil. This is just the culmination. This is after 40 days of being weak. The old football coach used to say, exhaustion makes cowards of us all. You get to the point and you're worn out. I was talking to one of my brothers this morning. Roy said, I'd like the elders to pray over me. That's what the Bible says to do. That's obedience. But part of the trial is, like he said, I'm just getting worn out. See, that's just, that's called confession. And the Bible says, we need to confess our faults to one another. Lord, pray that I have the strength, right? When the Jerusalem church was tested and threatened, they went back and they just told God on those wicked men. And they said, Lord, you take note of those threats, but give us boldness. Strengthen us. 
See, in our life, what we like to do is avoid trial. So we say, never pray for patience. Now, really, you don't have to pray for patience. God is faithful. He's going to bring you through some trials anyway. You don't have to pray for that. He's going to do that because he wants you to be mature. But, but our deal is, let's be wise so we don't have to go through any trials, right? Well, that can lead to compromise, can it? Well, that'll cause a trial if we're faithful there. I could, oh, I, I could lose my job. I won't get that raise. But God calls you to faithfulness and total dependence on him for everything. In the Christian life, you will not avoid trial just like you will not avoid God's discipline. Why? Because you're not perfect. But Jesus was tested that he might prove because, see, he was tested as a man. The Bible says in Philippians 2 that he emptied himself. So that's what this first trial is all about. If you are the son of God and you're hungry, I mean, really, that's, that's an understatement, isn't it? 40 days without food? Have you thought about that? He's full of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure that Satan's keeping him busy and he's having victory after victory after victory. But there comes a point that his physical body is worn out. That's why at the end it says the angels came and ministered to him. The same thing happened in the garden. The Bible says there was such stress on him as the sins of the whole world and the guilt of the whole world was laid on him as he was praying to his father in agony of heart, looking to that separation from the Father and the cross, that all the wrath of God be poured on him. He said, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And the Bible says he was in such agony of soul that he sweat as it were great drops of blood. The capillaries in the skin in great, great stress can burst and mix with the sweat. The Bible said the angels came and ministered to him. This was a very real test. In Strong's theology, he used an illustration. And that was the question. Is this real? Was God, God's testing real? And the little illustration, very simple. You have two lighthouses and a huge storm from the ocean comes and it beats on the two lighthouses all night long. And one of the lighthouses is destroyed. So the question is, which lighthouse endured more of the storm? The one that was destroyed or the one that stood? Because we like to say, well... He wasn't tested that much because he got through it. He was God. No, no, he was the God-man. And his humanity was being tested. And now at the weakest part of the trial, Satan tempts him to grab back onto his deity and perform a miracle for himself. 40 days without food, you're getting weak. And Satan knows this. That's why the Bible says we need to be ready for trials, prepared, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Psalm 119, 11. How shall a young man make his path straight? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. The way to prepare is hide God's word in your heart. The many times that happens because God allows us to have trials, right? Romans chapter 5, Paul said, you know, it's not just we glory in our justification, but we glory also in the trials. Why? Because Paul knew 
Those trials give you strength and patience and patience hope because you've been there before and seen God work. And hope makes not a shame because the love of God has been spread abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit that's given unto you. See, mature athletes love the gym too. Those that are just showing up so they can get a uniform, they hate sprints. They hate running hills and stairs and lifting just so they can wear a uniform so they can sit on the bench. Oh, what a weariness. But those that are exercised to excellence love that also. To get up early and go, it's not easy. It's not that it doesn't hurt them, but their desire is excellence. And that's what the Lord desires for us so that we don't run from trials, but like our Lord. See, it says the Holy Spirit led him. So it wasn't like he was being driven and he didn't want to go. When the Holy Spirit leads you, when he is carrying you along, there is an enthusiasm. So there was an excitement about the Lord Jesus to meet Satan now. Satan had been doing things to destroy him even when he was a baby. Now he's going to face the accuser. And what does he taste? Victory. And so at the very end of these things, he is hungry, he is famished, he's weak. And Satan says, if you are the son of God, prove it. Prove it. Isn't that the world says to you all the time? Prove it. What's the answer? The answer in testing is always the word of God. It's always the word of God. That's why we have to be prepared with the word of God. That's why it's so important that you memorize the word so it's a weapon that's available in the middle that you have to, otherwise you're going to be discouraged and you're going to be running around getting a whole bunch of people and talking to a whole bunch of people and say, oh, what do I do about this? If you're prepared, you just draw out that sword and meet Satan where he's at. Our example, Jesus Christ, that's what he does. He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It is scripture that is more important to the true believer than food. Than food. There will be those temptations. And it may not be as directly as you being hungry for 40 days, but it may be if you don't compromise, if you don't just be quiet when God is leading you to speak or to stand up, you could lose business. You could lose your job. That's bread, isn't it? And there's one thing more important to a believer than just a paycheck or just the bread on his table, and that is obedience to the word of God. That's what our Savior did. At 40 days without food, your life is in jeopardy of dying. And Jesus totally depended on him. I was so blessed by Luke's testimony. I want to tell you, I told you that last week. Uh, our guy saved the day for the West Banquet out there. Or for, <laughs> I, I make a mistake. For the Shepherds uh, Alumni Banquet. And uh, Sam spoke and just did a great job. And then Luke got up and very simply he said, I don't really have a clue what I'm doing. I won't use his accent because I wouldn't get as good as he does. But I don't really have a clue what I'm doing. But the Lord healed my marriage. And my wife and I just said yes to the Lord. We're going to do whatever he wants us to do. So simple. So powerful. That's where it's at, isn't it? Relying on the Lord. And, and even Jesus could have reached back and he had the, the ability and Satan wanted him 
to leave the test to grab onto his godness again. But he suffered as a human being that he might be a faithful and merciful high priest so that we don't have a priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, our weaknesses. He was there in every test just like you are. Reading a really good book by Francis Chan right now called Letters to, Letter to the Churches. And um, he talks in there, uses an illustration that Jesus never leaves us nor forsakes us. So even if we're called to be scourged like Paul was, we can see ourselves face to face with Jesus as the lashes are laid on, understanding that he is there to strengthen us and he feels every blow for us. And he will give us the strength and the grace to endure anything. The second temptation, verses 5 through 7, the devil takes him to, a, to the holy city and has him stand on the highest part of the temple. And he says to him, if you are the son of God, cast yourself off. Because the Bible says, oh, people try to misuse scripture. They pull it out and use it to their own and the Bible says, the truth in the mouth of a wicked man is like the legs of the lame. It never comes out even. Limp, limp, limp. They twist it. That's what Satan does. He uses the word. And Jesus just says, on the other hand, on the other hand, the Bible says. You see, Understanding the word of God in its context, the way God intended it, is so important. That's why in this church, the word of God is taught every morning, reading through the scripture in the Bible Institute, almost every week in our seminary, every day in Bible studies, and every week from the pulpit. It's about the word of God. Understanding the word of God, rightly dividing the word of truth. Jesus says no. Now, John MacArthur says there's at least two reasons that Jesus refused to take part in the spectacle, such as throwing himself off the temple roof. First of all, any sensationalism inevitably is frustrated by the law of diminishing returns. People are never satisfied. What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians? The Jews are always requiring another sign. They had Jesus Christ with them performing miracles. He died and he rose again. They still wanted more. It wasn't enough. Jesus, Jesus knew that. Second and more significant, no matter how noble and important we may think our reasons are to test God, to test God is to doubt God. So if you believe God's calling you to something and you like Gideon the Old Testament, so well, let's just put a fleece out there. Understand, that was demonstrating Gideon's disbelief, not his faith. And God had to put him in a cow chute and keep playing this game with wet fleece, dry fleece until he finally said, okay, fine, I'll try it. So testing God and looking for a fleece just demonstrates your lack of faith. To doubt God is not trust him, and not to trust him is sin. Now, God expects us to take risks, any risks, in order to obey his will. Whether we risk our prestige, our money, our lives, our family, or anything else to fulfill the Lord's calling, we can rest confidently in his, divinely, his divine provision for all that we need. But that's God's call, not our call. The third test, 
in verses 8 through 11. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and began to minister to him. And Luke says, he left him for a time. The testing wasn't over yet. Jesus was going to be tested over and over and over and over again by the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and that was all Satan. The Bible says in Ephesians or Philippians chapter 2 that all those that belong, that don't belong to Jesus, belong to the devil, and they are children of disobedience. That's why it's so good for you to get objective in the trials you have when you have that negative boss or, or that, that awful coach or teacher that just loves to find out you're a Christian and then just ride you and give you a hard time. Understand, they're not an independent agent. They just represent the prince of lies. And it's good to be objective that way. That way you can pray for them. That you can be gentle as a minister of God, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 27, that peradventure God might grant them repentance that they might escape from Satan's snare, being objective. But what is, this, what is this trial? Well, it seems so obvious, right? He just wants them to worship him. No, no, what he's offering Jesus is an easy way out. Was it a legitimate offer? Yes, it was. He took him up and in a moment showed him all the glories of all the, the, the empires and governments of the world and said, these can be yours without the cross. In Pilgrim's Progress, Pilgrim was told by evangelists to say, stay on the path. This is the road. But he came to the hill called Difficulty. And he looked over the fence and he saw Bypath Meadow. And he thought, well, it's just a little compromise. And that way is smoother. And this one's really rough and steep. And it looks to me like they're going the same way. So I'll just get over the fence and just... Just, you know, we'll lose sight, but we'll just, we'll just keep an eye on it and we will end up in the same place. What the devil's saying is, why should you have to wait for what is already rightfully yours? See, the Son of God spoke the worlds into existence. Satan cursed them and destroyed the earth and one day Jesus is going to stand with the title deed of the earth, Revelation chapter 5 in his hand, he's going to begin to roll it and take back what is rightfully his. But Satan says, you don't have to wait. Ask of me and I will surely give you the nations as the inheritance. That's what the Bible says in Psalm 2. So it's yours already. Don't wait. That compromise comes all the time to young people, doesn't it? As Christians, they're dating. And they say, well, we're going to get married anyway. We don't need to wait. We don't need to wait. And after all, all the world, and I know Christians that, you know, they partake also, so I think it's okay. Why should we be hard on ourselves? Why should we wait? Maybe it's a business deal. And if you just compromise a little bit, then what you're saying is, God can't bless me better than I can bless me. And yet the Bible says, the righteous man swears to his own hurt. You've made a deal, and you say, well, if I go through this deal, then... You know, I could lose money on it.
But what you're saying when you say, no, no, it's okay if I lose money because I'm not the one providing anyway. God is the one. God is my provider. God's plan in testing the son was to prove the son's worthiness to inherit the rule of the world. Before Jesus could rule, he had to learn by experience the fullest meaning of submission to the Father's will. The crown lay beyond the cross. He tempts each one of us in the same way. Why set your standards so high? What's the use? You can get your want, what you want by cutting a corner here and shading the truth. Why wait for heavenly reward when you can have what you ha- want right now? Isn't that Joel Osteen's message? God wants you to give you your best life now. No, he doesn't. What did Jesus say? If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. In the Old Testament, God said about the children of Israel, now he's going to win all their battles for them. But he said, we're not going to take the fast route to the promised land. We're going to wander around the wilderness a little bit. We're going to take this longer route because they need to learn how to fight. Be wonderful as we got saved and boom, we'd be translated into our new body and didn't have any more trials. But faithfulness is for here and now that others might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It's your opportunity, even in the battle. So even in the hard times, Peter writes and he says, be ready always to give an answer to those that ask you of the hope. Why hope? Because they say, why are you not compromising? Why are you taking the difficult path when you could just do what everybody else does? Because we look for the reward. We're not satisfied with here and now. We believe what Paul wrote in Romans, that whatever we suffer here is not to be compared to the weight of glory that we will experience in heaven. So the challenge is, do you count it all joy when you fall into trial? I think James was thinking of his older brother, Jesus Because Jesus didn't go kicking and screaming and drag, the Lord didn't have to drag him in. I think he went in full anticipation of the battle. Knowing that it would cost, but knowing that he was there for you and I. So that he might be that faithful and sympathetic high priest. But if you don't know the Lord, this doesn't make any sense at all. Say, hey, what was the deal? I thought you Christians got saved so you could have a better life. We'll have a better life in heaven. And we have a better life now because of the joy in spite of trials. So Jesus asks the question to those that are considering whether or not it's worth it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. After he says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And then he has... A business question. If a man gains the whole world, this is the question I think for parents also. I hear now on the radio all the time, there is all these advertisements all the time. Didn't used to have them. Oh, get your kids in high school sports. And we as Christians, oh, sports are good. 
Yeah, get ourselves, get our kids in Christian sports. And if they're there, well, God wants us to do everything to excellence. So we can't just be satisfied to do them, but we can skip church and we go here and there and run all over creation so our child can be good. What mostly happens is they just get tired. The kids get tired of you trying to live through them. But what if you were successful and your child got a pro contract? He got a full ride scholarship and a pro contract. And you were a stumbling block and he had no faith. Jesus said, if a man gains the whole world and loses his soul, is that a good business deal? And if you came to the end of your life and you've gained the whole world, you have everything, fame, wealth, power. And you had that moment because many people don't, that moment before you die to evaluate and say, hold it now, I'm going to lose my soul for all eternity. What would you give in exchange for your soul? Jesus said, if a man loves his life, he will lose it. But if a man hates his life for my sake and the gospel, he will find it. That's the deal. Jesus was our example. He was available. He was eager. So like the Apostle Paul, he could say we counted all joy or we glory also in the gym time. Because that's where strength is gained to stand against the game plan of Satan that we might one day hear from Jesus, well done, well done. And that there will be others there because watching your life, they can say at your funeral, my dad was the godliest man I ever knew. And he left a straight path for me and I just want to follow him where he was going. Now folks, that's successful parenting. Not how much you leave them not how well you dress them, but did you prepare them for eternity by a straight path with your own feet? Father, we thank you for your love for us. Oh, Lord, that we would be wise, prepared to meet Satan. How we glory, Lord, when we see your answers every time the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the lawyers try to trip our Savior up and he's there with the word of God every time and with wisdom and that strong light for our path also. Lord, give us a heart to be found obedient. Lord, that we might hear from you. Well done. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and sing.